Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Oh, that was, that was, you know, it's, it's always interesting meeting important figures in the sport. Um, yeah, it's always interesting. That's all I'm giving. I'm just there now. That's all I'm giving. Hey, Rob. What we doing, hey, Rob? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. How Stay long tuned. we gotta wait? Well, I think it won't be long. There's, a, there's a, there's a time, there's a time limit for all this. Can I break the news? That is Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers saying it will not be long before he signs. It's already it's been kind of already long, been really, right? really long, man. Really long. Boy. He'll sign. So, will he sign before today at 12? He's going to wait for Tom Brady to do something, and then he's going to do it. <laughs> when Tom Brady makes Brady. news today for tweeting about his cat. Brady should call the Jets right now just to, just to bleep with Rodgers. I'll come for free. The Jets can then tell him, like, hey. Brady just called us. We doing this? Jets optimistic in their pursuit of Rodgers after meeting on Tuesday. They met on Tuesday. Six, right, six days ago. Six days ago. It won't be long. Okay. Any day now, man. Any day. The odds are treating it as though it's already a done deal. Yeah. The AFC East odds, the Jets are plus 225. That is pretty significantly above the Dolphins, who are plus 360. Behind okay. the Bills, though, of course. Behind the Bills. Jeremy White, Sneaky Joe, happy Monday. Good morning. Daylight Savings has uh, hopefully not sent you for too much of a loop. It is snowing. Tournament starting this week. Tournament starts. We had we had a whole pool of uh, of uh, team nickname potential in the women's bracket, by the way. So maybe we can get back to nickname guessing at some point. Southern Utah. Ooh. Southern the, the Utah. Southern... A, a 12 seed in the uh, in the women's bracket. Southern Utah is the mm, Travelers. You had the right first letter, and that's about T? it. T? The Thunderbirds. Fun, oh, yeah, obviously. Southern Utah Thunderbirds. Right. That, that was just sitting there for you. You could sprinkle these in along the way. You know what we need? We need a good rumor. We need Vaughn to tweet out that he's working out with DeAndre Hopkins. A picture with DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah, he's already done Derrick Henry. Yep. I, uh, Daquan, Daquan Jones tweeted out a picture of him, and I think it was Jeffrey Simmons. Yes, yes, and said, "Wouldn't he look good with the Bills?" Uh huh. I mean, he's great. And the Titans? Do we think they're tanking? Are they tearing it all down? I think so. For uh, Caleb Williams, they are tearing it down. He's a great player, but I mean, I'd better see an Ed Oliver trade if they're trading for Jeffrey Simmons, right? Speaking of tanking. The Bears, boy, they got a real big haul for that first overall pick, right? Yes. Houston. Houston won Houston. their last game of the season. <laughs> In amazing fashion. If and it might have cost them DJ Moore a first and two seconds in a, for winning one game for a coach you fired. Right. Yep. Incredible. The Bears, you remember what they did week 18? 
They benched Nathan Peterman. He started hot. He had two really good drives to start the game, and they benched him for a guy named Tim Boyle, who had two touchdowns and 12 interceptions in college. And they lost the game. And they got the number one pick. The tankiest move ever. It just Those... it flew under the radar because it was Nathan Peterman who they benched. It wasn't like, if it was Fields, it would have been like, oh, can you believe how disrespectful to the game the Chicago Bears are? But because it was Nathan Peterman, nobody picked up on it. And they cashed it in. They cashed that ticket in a big way. Tanking works. Especially, the Texans, man. What? Well, that's so bad. It, it's, it's already week 18. Right. You know, do whatever you got to do. Well, and part of that is, part of that is that the Bears coach for that game, he's, he knows what's up, right? He's Matt Eberflus. Yeah. He knows he's coming back. Safe. Lovey Smith, meanwhile, for the Texans, is like, well, bleep this, bleep this team. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna screw them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna win it at the end. They're gonna fire me anyway. What do I care? Let me, let me get them at the end here. That was a dangerous coach to leave in position there to try to win that final game. Yep. Robert Woods has joined the Texans, signing with a deal, uh, a deal with them for, I think I saw $7 million a year for Robert Woods. And there was a lot of guaranteed money. Was a good idea for the Bills. Robert Woods could have come here and yep. contributed. You know, let's, let's real quick on Thielen. So Adam Thielen is on the market, becomes a somewhat attractive option. I asked Matthew Collar, who covers the Vikings, Purple Insider podcast, mm. you know, can Thielen still produce? And his answer was, Eh. 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 Think about the end of Larry Fitzgerald or the end of Anquan Bolden's career. Mm-hmm. And that shouldn't, I don't think that should scare the Bills away at all. Because I don't need him to be Adam Thielen of the last five years, which yep. has been very good. I need him to be better than what I've got right now. Is he the best idea for the Bills? Well, maybe not. But where does he rank on the ideas list, though? Like, is he a third-tier option? Is he a second-tier option? Like, what What do I want in my slot? Thielen, I end up where if I end up at Thielen? Did I not get the rookie I wanted? I think do- if you end up at Thielen, you got better than Beasley. You definitely did, and better than McKenzie. So you improve, but did you improve as much as you could have? I just tweeted out about the Curtis Samuel uh, trade potential, and there's no rumor about him, but... Washington's got about $20 million in cap space, and they don't have a quarterback. So it, that, this all hinges on what, what they do, a quarterback. If they want to sign Garoppolo, then that's all the cap space they have. Yep. And Samuel, who's third on the depth chart, is actually second on the team in terms of cap hit. So like, if I can get my hands on that guy, yeah. that's better to me than Thielen. But my question would be how many ideas are out there that are better than Thielen? Because I'm not saying there are many, but there are definitely some. Most of these conversations about receiver, I get nervous that they're not going to draft one. Let's look at, uh-huh. okay, so Matthew's comparison when I asked about late-stage Thielen, what is he? Yeah. And he said, how about Anquan Bolden when he was at the downset of his career? Thielen is 30? Thielen 32? is 32, and okay. he'll be 33 at the start of the season. Anquan Bolden's age 33 season, 11.79 and seven touchdowns. The year before yeah. he came to the Bills pretty, and then re- and then retired, he went to the Lions for a year. And he yeah. had eight touchdowns at age 36, Anquan Bolden did. Yep. Like, it's. I think it's important to note, don't talk yourself out of every single free agent. Sure. Free agency is not supposed to be perfect. You know, can you sign the biggest name guy? Sure, and and do a lot of guaranteed money. But when you get to this time, you're going to have a couple boxes to check, and there are going to be red flags or whatever, warning signs on every single player. 
every single player that's going to sign in free agency, just about, the number one guy on the market, I was looking at NFL.com's ranking of the top um, 100 free agents. Mm -hmm. The number one guy is 30. Okay, red flag, too old. If you get to this point in free agency, you're going to be old. You you don't find, unless you're Tremaine Edmonds, 24-year-old free agents. So a guy's either going to be A, old, B, coming off a bad year, C, injury concerns. Yep. That that is the free agent market. And if you are afraid to sign any free agent because of any one of those things, you will never sign any free agent. They're all going to be some version of old, downside. Otherwise, they wouldn't be cut loose. They would be kept by their teams, whether they're contracts expiring or they're not franchise tagged or they're trade bait or they're cut to save cap space. Like This is the imperfect time. Here you go, Mike Garofolo. Naheem Hines, in the process of reworking his deal to stay in Buffalo, he'll convert part of his base salary to provide cap relief. Incentives added give him the chance to earn more than his previously scheduled 4.79. Okay, so he's staying. With the chance to earn more. I am not surprised in the slightest, personally. I never thought they were moving on from him. Every time they had a chance... To talk about him, they did at the end of season press conferences. Well, a reworking to stay in Buffalo, converting to signing bonus. Yep. How much that, cap relief will be my question. Is that just a redone one-year deal? And that's, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. doesn't sound like adding years. Right. He has the chance to earn more. So basically this is, hey, you're going to take a pay cut, but if you end up getting a lot of carries and a lot of touchdowns and a lot of contributions – here are some escalators in your deal that will kick in, right? That's that's probably what that means. There are probably some special teams bonuses. Special teams, yeah. Kick return touchdowns will equal money. Right. Hines staying is not a shock. Hines restructuring is not a shock. Yeah. I don't really say any of it's a shock. That- I also don't I don't hate this. Like, I think Hines it depends. I think there's a potential he could fill two roster spots for you. If he you, can be your returner, so I don't have to have a, a guy that only does that yep. and also be my backup running back. But it depends how much they think James Cook is capable of being the lead back or what they would want to do around it. Because for me, I'd be perfectly fine if their running backs going into the year were James Cook, Naheem Hines, and a Duke Johnson type. Just an undrafted free agent guy that maybe has been in the league for a couple of years. Raheem Blackshear. I just I don't think they need to do much. Jamal Williams will be completely fine for with for me, but yep. well, I, I never thought Hines needed to go because he's the returner. But they talk like they want him to do more on offense. I don't need him to go. Don't talk to me about him being a receiver. Just right, right. He's not a wide line receiver. Up, line up at running back. Don't try to convince me he's a wide receiver. Yeah, he's not a wide receiver. He also, at least by his PFF grades, he's been a very good pass blocker his entire career. Which is why in Indianapolis he was strictly a third down running back. That's it. Yep. And I don't have proof, by the way, that James Cook can be that in the NFL. He did it at Georgia. He did not do well at it last year. He was one of the worst rookie running backs at pass blocking. And he was a better graded rusher than he was receiver. So I don't know what they view for Cook. That's that's where I'm. my confusion lies with the running back. Would they go for a Jamal Williams? What do they think of James Cook? Do they think Cook is going to be more of the running back we thought when they drafted him? Or is he going to be more like what he was in his rookie season? Which was, he's good as a runner, but the other stuff, you know, very inconsistent. 
if I'm being kind. Good as a runner. Finished with how many yards for the Bills this season? The answer is minus three. He had six carries. Well, for... I, said, I said Cook was good as a runner. Oh, I'm sorry. Cook sorry, was Hines. good as a runner. I'm not saying yeah. Hines is bad. This is, where yeah. I, this is where I just point out. He had negative yards. He had 11 offensive touches. Right. Naheem Hines. But so that that is where I'll be curious to see what his role is because if they sign Jamal Williams, I don't think that's going to be any different. This team in five years has never had enough for the running back position for three guys. In fact, usually the third guy wouldn't even dress. Hines would only dress. Why? Because he's going to be the returner. Also, right. it was T.J. Yeldon. It was Matt Breida. It right. was nobody ever really got an extended look. If they are going to hold true to their word, they want him to get more involved on offense. Aren't they going to do nothing else at running back? Isn't there enough at running back in terms of workload for just James Cook and Naheem Hines? No, the, uh, no. You think they need another guy? There? Don't you think Jamal Williams is still an answer? I think he is, but w- my point is, I you sign Jamal Williams, you are not giving Naheem Hines more work. Well, there's not enough work for three the, running backs in this offense. As I understand the salary cap, here's what they could have done for bonuses: any number you get above last year is like a not likely to be earned incentive. Uh huh. So when your numbers are so low, yeah, Hines had five catches. So you put an incentive. If you have 15 catches, and that does not count on your cap this year, it would count because it's not likely to be earned. It would go on next year's cap. You have to pay for it later. Oh, it would be okay. I was so, going to say because otherwise, I was about to say, isn't that the easiest way to circumvent the cap possible? Hey, Josh Allen, we're going to give you a $10 million bonus if you throw five passing yards this year. Right. That okay, yeah. goes on. If it's sure. above your previous year, then it's not likely to be earned. So the Bills could load him up with incentives, Yep, and it doesn't hurt their cap this year. They'd have to pay the price basically next year Okay, for like incentive stuff, adjusted cap space and all that. If I have that right, the salary cap in the NFL is very complicated, and that's one thing I, I kind of think, I hope, I've got a little handle on. Well, I'm very up in the air whether or not I like this, I guess, then. Because if, if it means Hines is on this team and he's going to barely play on offense, I'm going to have to hear about him playing receiver again, and he's basically a returner. I not great. But I just I don't think this offense needs more than two running backs. Even even if a power back, I I like Cook Darren Sproles was like one of the most efficient goal line backs in football in the last fifteen years. So I how badly do I need that? I don't really think they need it. But if they do, then maybe they'll add somebody. And Jamal Williams, you know, would be to me the best example of that. He is a player they traded for at the deadline. Yep. They talked about him as a pass-catching running back. That never really happened. They did, though. They went to the offseason and talked about him as a pass-catching running back and are now going to rework him. I've got no problem with Hines. My issue comes with I'm just trying to figure out what the Bills want to do with running back and what they're doing with it. So, okay, Cook, Hines, and then you're saying the third option could be all the way down the board to Duke Johnson. Yeah. And I'm going to see a mock draft tomorrow that says B. John Robinson. Right. That that would be my greatest fear, right? Like I I like the idea of just Cook Hines and whoever. But if they go into the draft with just Cook Hines and whoever, we're right up until the pick. We are I th- I think I'm scared of running back. And that ends with any signing that is, you know, of merit. That's not, you know, Matt Breida. Matt Breida. Well, all what might have been. He's available again. 
Hey, it's a Monday. There, there was one stat from the golf I want to give you. If you're thinking like, man, I hate Monday. I'm having a bad day. I'm in a bad mood. It's snowing out. It's snowing. It's cold. It's darker than it was. Uh, the Dolphins have Jalen Ramsey. I don't know if that'd make you too upset. Anyway, I want to tell you the story of Taylor Montgomery. Okay. Maybe you didn't see this. No, I did not. It's from the golf. From uh-huh. Sawgrass. So Taylor Montgomery in the final round on Sunday, he was tied for fourth heading to 16. Mm-hmm. He bogeyed 16. He double bogeyed 17. He hit in the water and then chipped in the water as well. And then he triple bogeyed. Chipped in the water. Yeah. Well, how do you? The drop zone is oh. sometimes not. It's not that much easier. Okay. So he went bogey on sixteen, double on seventeen, triple on eighteen, and to give you an idea of what that ended up costing him. Oh no! A tie for fourth, Taylor Montgomery, tie for fourth, paid one million dollars. Okay. And that's this is not a golfer I've heard of before. So that maybe is huge for him. Yeah. The more than others. He's three holes away, tied for fourth, $1 million. Uh huh. Bogey, double, triple, tied for 44th. Yikes. $75,000. Oh, buddy, no. $925,000. On three holes. That guy did not sleep this weekend, right? Or he did not sleep last night. That is tough. Wow. Losing $925,000 in about, what, 45 minutes? Yeah, yeah, that happened really quick. I mean, how do you get over that? It's, I want to look up his career earnings to really find out what that was like for him. His career, Here we go. Taylor Montgomery, career earnings on the tour in three years, $2.2 million. So he's not exactly struggling. He's not struggling, but man, that was like an expensive job to have. That would have been by far his biggest payday. Yep. I mean, he could have birdied one of those holes and moved up. 17. 16, 17, 18, double. He tripled 18 or tripled 17? He tripled 18. There was a guy that got a 10 on 18 at one point. Yeah. Anyway, Masters up next in terms of the big ones. Masters is on its way uh, April, early April. It's always early April. I haven't checked the actual date. My guess is it's April... 14, 13th to 16th. Um, or do they just wait until the azaleas bloom? Right. Uh, April 6th. Oh, less, okay. less than a month. Week before that. Okay. Was less than a week. month away. Very good. When we get back, a little golf. Kevin Price, uh, former intern on this show, was covering Sawgrass. We'll get a quick chat with him, uh, you know, check in on how things went down there. 803-0550, the Heinz extension. Not extension, sorry. Looks like a reworking for Heinz for the Bills. 803-0550 on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And the Scheffler victory train just keeps on rolling. What a finish to save it. And back on top of the world. 
Dan Hicks on the call. Winning putt for Scotty Scheffler. Made a good par there at 18. Was in danger I was not of a watching anymore. I was watching. It was a blowout. It was a blowout, and everybody else kind of fell around him. Although Terrell Hatton shot a 29 on the back. Yeah. Tied Crazy. The, tied the course record. 29 on the back. Well, um, the course record was broken this weekend, too, right? Tom Hogue, maybe? Ho- yeah, Tom. I think it's Hoagie. Hoagie, I meant. Yeah, and one thing about him, I, I saw like this funny thing that he set the course record, and the person who had the course record had a... Anyway, I... I digress. Okay. <laughs> it's just some random guy tweeting about, like, well, uh, there, go- there goes my record. Anyway, um, on the Western Hotline, talk a little golf with a, uh, a Buffalo guy, former Buffalo guy, and uh, someone that's been around this show before. Kevin Price joins us. He is uh, digital con- digital content associate editor for the PGA Tour and PGATour.com. Kevin, good morning. Jeremy, Joe, thank you guys so much for having me on. Thanks for coming on. How was... The Players' Championship. You know, there's one thing about it, Kevin, that, that struck me as interesting. And, and Scotty Scheffler and a lot of his post-round and post-victory uh, press conference stuff, he kept referring to it as, it's our tournament. It's the Players' Championship. It's our tournament. And the number of times that he said it kind of struck me how much these guys, these players, do care about this one right there. I want to say it is right there with the majors, at least to the players. It is. It's unique because I think for years, kind of the PGA Tour, there was a lot of narrative around the golf media that the tour was trying to force feed and with the music and with the pomp and circumstance. And it's unique because content-wise, we have everyone there, you know, because we all live in Jacksonville, so all the writers are there, all the social content people are there. We have our own room in the media center, so it's kind of funny in that regard. But in jet, like you mentioned, it's as time goes on and tradition and legacy and kind of this time in golf more than ever it's these players they grow up watching the tournament they know these holes they know the finish and kind of it's hard to replicate that and coupled with of course huge purse 25 million dollar purse 4.5 million to the winner just crazy but over time it becomes one of those events that kind of when you look at the end of your career it's like oh yeah i won the players or i finished you know like you mentioned tom hoagie with the course record t3 at the players, it's you know he's never had that high of a finish in a major or the players before, and it's the type of week that these guys will remember forever. Fred Funk back in 2005, he had a good career, and the players is like clearly that one tournament that he'll always kind of put above the others, and a lot of guys of similar ilk as well. So it is interesting how over time it kind of grows, and you know the Masters has been around for 40, 50 years longer, and the U.S. Open much longer. So it's kind of in golf, the tradition is so much embedded into it and as the players you know it's been at sawgrass for 41 years so it should only continue to grow and it definitely for the tour we appreciate him him saying that as well yeah and scheffler himself as a player you know it, it, it kind of struck me also he wins the masters last year that he you was it you no it was the corn fairy tour i know because you've done a lot of work covering the corn fairy tour that he was the corn fairy tour player of the year three years ago four years ago like his rise from that tour to one of the two, three best golfers, now he's back to world number one, has really been fast and in the last 14 months. It's amazing. So the six wins in the last 392 days, it's just wild. And it's kind of a, a narrative around golf, like how long can you peak? Like a lot of people it might be for a month, it might be for 18 months. And Scheffler having had kind of a, a peak, I guess, last year winning – 
four times in three or four months and moving to world number one, or I guess actually in less than three months, which is crazy. And then the rest of the year, not that he was in a slump, you know, he almost won the FedEx Cup. He was right there, and Rory McIlroy made a huge run on the last day to take him down. But it's kind of like, all right, was that his peak? Will his kind of winning rate kind of slow down? And then he comes right back this year. He defends his title at Phoenix, which is so funny for someone who's kind of like such on the outward, a happy-go-lucky guy. He's definitely such a burning competitor. I remember from the Corn Ferry Tour, I you know, I do these interviews with guys who finish runner-up, and he finished runner-up in Savannah, and it was a huge step toward getting his card, and he was not concerned about that in any way. He was all about, I lost this tournament. Like, he couldn't have been more concerned about getting closer to his car, and it's just this crazy competitor, and he just, you know, wants to win in golf. He's so addicted to golf and loves golf so much from being a kid. There are stories of him wearing pants to the course at age seven, even in the heat in Texas, because he wanted to be like a tour pro, and just to see him come right back this year and not just win the players, but win by five, play with a lead so just calm, cool, and collected down the stretch. It almost, in a way, sucked the drama out of it because you kind of knew, even with a lot of trouble and water coming in, he was going to keep hitting the centers of the greens and just played these smart shots. But, yeah, from the Corn Ferry Tour, and I always say it, I love He needed to get up and down on the last hole of Q School just to get his schedule in 2018, just to get his job, and now he's world number one, six-time tour winner, the Masters, the players. It's unbelievable. Does he – does he have that marketability to you of someone that's at the top of the sport? Like Rory had that post Tiger and Spieth for a little bit. Does uh, is personality wise or whatever it is, do you feel like he's got that in him to be the face of the sport? Kind of if he's going to be winning tournaments and that peak that you're talking about him maintaining, you know, he maintains it for years. It's so interesting because you have Rory with his kind of just otherworldly driving of the ball and kind of has that aura about him. And you have Ron, who is just this, he's so outwardly intense and you can feel him getting mad and people relate to that. And then Steve with his kind of, you know, just showmanship and flair and these stars have, and obviously tigers, tiger just with his just aura and larger than life presence. And it's hard because tiger sets this high standard that is so high that it's going to be hard for anyone to truly live up to that but it's and I've been thinking about this a little bit as well and just being out there and seeing the fans chant Scotty Scotty like everywhere and even from early week and he was talking about it in his presser how it's kind of like he feels like he's kind of still in college or high school in a way the only real change to him is you know doing a little more media and doing and just hearing those chants hearing people just around him and just what, the way I gauge a lot of it is how many fans are there for the autographs and how many people line up. And Scotty is totally getting to that level, and it's cool to see. And he, he'll never be someone who, like, the way he plays is a way that's truly going to, like, attract a ton of fans with a unique style. But he, for a certain type of fan, just his creativity and his artistry, it's kind of subtle, but I think, for people who watch golf a lot, it's something that is pretty appreciated. And I think, um, but it's, it's such a good question, like to appeal to that mainstream casual fan to become a star that crosses over from golf. I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, if he keeps winning and gets the 20, 30 wins, that gets a whole different level. And he said himself, he doesn't care, you know, whether he's in the spotlight or not. He doesn't care 
what people perceive him. He truly just wants – he doesn't want to make headlines with his – he said it this week. He doesn't want to make headlines with his words, only yep. with his play. He, and, he did that this week. And on the flip side, speaking with Kevin Price, associate editor, PJ Tour Digital Content – on the flip side of that, Rory has gone too far the other way, right? Isn't the story now that Rory wants to just get back to being a golfer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's. it's crazy what he's doing. He's on the PGA Tour policy board and sat in a meeting for seven hours on Tuesday night, I think it was, with Bay Hill, and then goes out and almost wins. You know, he's right there down the stretch, has a um, chance to post and force a playoff right there at the end, and then he comes back and he's in the big three group with the players with, Rom and Scheffler, the top three in the world, were all paired together Thursday and Friday. And it's just, he's taken on so much. And for him to win the FedEx Cup last year and be top three in the world with everything he's doing, you know, it's like every day someone wants to ask him about what's going on with the tour and the changes and everything. And it's it's wild to see what he's done. And Rory's almost kind of had like a second act in his career where kind of, I guess, four or five years ago, a lot of the narrative was he's kind of, underwhelming on his promise and now he's kind of taking on i guess part out of either obligation or necessity or whatever he feels but he's taking on that real leadership role on the game and it's kind of crazy to see it's also going to be great to see rory at oak hill i can't wait with his wife being from rochester and that's that's going to be fun masters up is the first of course big major we got a couple in between the valspar is up next Mm -hmm. um kevin will you know elevated events as a i'm a golf fan but i have maybe don't know which ones are elevated, which ones aren't. Of course, the majors matter. Between now and the Masters, what's the next big one where we'll see the big names? So it's, um yeah, like you said, Valspar this week, which I have a few big names, but definitely not one of the designated events. It's funny because, like you said, they've changed it a few times in the last year with kind of reshaping the tour. So now there's pretty much going to be kind of eight designated events each year in addition to the, and this year is kind of the bridge year in addition to the playoffs and the majors and the players. So then in a couple of weeks, it'll be the match play, which this will actually be the last year of the match play for now, hoping to bring it back in the future, but it's um, still going to be at Austin country club, WGC Dell match play. And that'll be the top 64 eligible players in the world ranking and kind of a pod system with four players in a pod and then top 16, make it out. And then they go, head-to-head from there, which I, I always love match play. That'll be a fun one. Yeah, and then from there, it's on to the Masters in terms of the yeah. designated events. We've asked you before, when you guys have these events, you don't off, you don't get to play the course each and every week, right? Is it occasionally you get a round in? <laughs> exactly. It's um, kinda, it's unique. A lot of the Monday after the tournament, you know, the sponsors and the partners, they kind of have the tee sheet filled, and then sometimes I might find my way into a Monday Pro-Am, or, you know, it's definitely intermittent or well, they let us play after the court tournament so it's it's here and there well not this week i was gonna say it's monday you're not hitting the 17th this morning nope they, they got plenty of a, they got plenty of a sheet it's actually pretty rainy here today so we're lucky we got it done because last year we had a monday finish yeah we were yeah. kind of nervous with the storm coming in yesterday but we got it done very good well kevin thanks for the time and uh you know enjoy the rest of the season we'll talk again Absolutely. thanks for having me on guys thank Always you appreciate it Kevin Price, associate editor of uh, PGATour.com, digital content. Yeah. Playing the course right after. That's, you know, tournament conditions. That's good stuff. I have a correction to make on Naheem Hines. It was half right. Okay. Not likely to be earned incentives, the way that that works. If the incentive is something that you have done, it's likely to be earned. That counts in your cap. If your incentive is past that, 
it's not likely to be earned. If Naheem Hines hits incentives on his newly reworked deal, that money would go on next year's salary cap. I was right about that. What I was wrong about is the actual numbers he would have to hit because it counts what happened with the Colts, too. Oh. Which makes sense, obviously, right? Yep. So, uh, Greg Thompson, cover one, basically. The not likely to be earned thresholds. So the Bills could put these numbers in his deal and say, million dollars if you get more than two receiving touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, 50 rushing yards, 300 scrimmage yards. If a incentive on Heinz deal says, all right, a million dollars for 500 scrimmage yards. That won't count on this year's cap. Mm-hmm. And if he does hit it, it would count on next year's cap. So it's a way to rework Heinz, give him an opportunity. Um, he would take it because he would see the opportunity to make more money. And if you do, great. It's on The Bills have to worry about that next year, not this year. Okay. And Greg basically wrote, um, it shows an intention to use him and let him earn the money back with a 2024 cap hit. If he does. So this kind of lines up with your thought about Cook and Hines and now mm-hmm. one more spot. And there's, there's, it's already no way that's Bijan Robinson. No way. There's no way. No way. It's a first round running back at all. No chance. Because Robinson probably is gone. So then it becomes Jameer Gibbs. It's not no a first way. round running back. It's not a second round running back. It's not a third round running back. Right. They're going to get away from it for the first time in a couple of years. Pro They're, Football Talk has spun it as, and it's, again, not uh-huh. luckily a spin, taking a pay cut to stay with the Bills, pay cut with bonuses as your involvement goes. Yep. This is also the kind of thing where it gets, maybe we'll talk to Sal about this. You can ask Sal, we, you and Sal can talk about this at 10 o'clock. Yep. This is where you have handshake agreements, right? Like, you will be involved in the offense. He's not p- taking a pay cut with bonuses he could never hit. Unless there's special teams bonuses. Unless, right? There could be special teams bonuses. Because that, that actually was, remember, the Bills, it was a conditional sixth that could become a fifth. Yeah. With the Colts, it became a fifth. Yep. Which means, because he did nothing on offense, all of the stuff the Bills put in there must have been special teams related. So, but but either way, right? Like, your role is going to be this. Mm-hmm. And then he'll know that ahead of time. And to take a pay cut means one of two things. He didn't think there was better money out there elsewhere, or uh-huh. it's a pay cut on the cap that he's been told, we're, you're a part of this offense, and you'll have the opportunity to earn that money back. Right. It'll just go on next year's cap. Do you want another running back rumor from around the league? Is it for the Bills? Not for the Bills, okay. but it. W- listen, any running back becomes available, and within 24 hours, yep. somebody's going to do it. Yeah. Jeremy Fowler from ESPN says that the Vikings are open to business and multiple teams around the league believe Minnesota's had trade talks involving Delvin Cook because they'd like to re-sign Alex Madison, who is a free agent running back for theirs. And Delvin Cook's agent has been posting cryptic Instagram tweets, apparently, about how the Vikings have never known how to use him. Ooh. Agent's cryptic tweets. I'm used to wide receiver cryptic tweets. Delvin Cook, has he been, has he been asked anywhere about the idea of playing with his brother? That's where you're going to get the connection. Somebody's going to ask Delvin Cook or James Cook about, hey, wouldn't it be cool to play for your brother? Yeah. Or play with your brother? 803-0550. Okay, so that's the news on the Bills so far today. We'd, ex- we'd expect more to come out about restructures and all that. 803-0550 to join us on WGR. Breaking sports news airs first here. Guaranteed. WGR Sports Radio 550. 2020 Sports. 
Extendo Sports. All right, we got a Sabres game tonight. Looking at the, uh, yep. Looking at the standings, Joe. I have not opened them today once. You're supposed to say which standings? <laughs> the Tankathon standings or the NHL standings? Just, you know, just looking at the standings. Sabres have lost four in a row. Yep, and six of their last seven, or yep. is it seven of the last eight? Six of the last seven, I think. Toronto tonight. Yep. Could be ugly. Right? Could be ugly. If no Darlene, no Samuelson, no Tuck, that could be bad. Yeah. I mean, you asked me earlier if the season could be dead if they lose tonight. I do kind of feel like it already is, but if they lose tonight and it's in that same fashion that they lost to Toronto a couple weeks ago or last week... Yeah, it's gonna feel like it's over. I mean, I'm not. I'm not even pulling up the standings anymore. Used to be the first thing I did every morning for like three months, and I feel like, like I don't even want to look at it. Well, if they beat the Leafs tonight, MoneyPuck.com puts their playoff odds at six percent. It's hard they, to get up for six percent. And if they lose, two point four. If they lose, they still won't have cross that magic line of when will the odds of winning the draft lottery be higher than the playoffs? We're not there yet? No. If they lose tonight, playoffs 2.4, draft lottery 2.1. So, not yet. But after the Leafs, it's a busy week. I mean, they're all kind of sandwiched in here. Lots of these games. They do Um, have some easier games coming up. Right. The Capitals and the Flyers. Yeah. So, Here's how you get back in the race. Start tonight. Beat the Caps. Winnable. Beat the Flyers. Winnable. These are two teams you're ahead of in the standings. Then you've got Boston. Yikes. Nashville. Nashville. Nashville can be... Uh, that's that's a, your favorite against Nashville. New Jersey. Not easy. Tough one. Islanders. Need it. Here, Here's... Yeah. How... Here's a good way of looking at it. How many games is that? Is that six games before they play the Islanders? Yeah. What do they need to do in those six games for me to feel like that Islander game matters? They need ten points. They need five out of six. Because And when you play Jersey, Boston, and Toronto this, in there, man, this, that is, right, that this is might not be likely. A, a feeling we forgot about, but yeah. pre-tank, they would be in this spot, and we would say, yeah, they're only seven points out with three games in hand, but they do have to now jump over four teams. Yeah. And... I think it's almost safe to say Pittsburgh, you're not catching Pittsburgh, period. The Sabres are nine points back of the Penguins. It's up to nine? It's nine. And games one, are close? One in hand. Yeah, that's not You accurate. don't make up nine points in 16 games. No. 17 games. You just don't do it. No. So, Pittsburgh's gone. You're now fighting for one spot. Islanders, Florida, Washington, Ottawa, Buffalo. And I guess I have to include Detroit, who are tied with the Sabres. Yeah, but not really. I mean... They got to win a few in a row to get back in the conversation, and they have to win all the, every game they play. Feels like every game they play against teams ahead of them. They play Ottawa once more. They play Florida. They play Washington. They play the Islanders. Those games, like they can't drop one of them. No, not one. And tomorrow, so tonight in the NHL, like okay, the Sabers, not too much out of town scoreboard to worry about. But tomorrow, Pittsburgh plays Montreal. Washington's against the Rangers. Detroit's playing Nashville. 
Ottawa's playing Edmonton. Yeah, on the road. All these teams, you need you, Islanders play the Kings on the road. You start to need them all to lose. Yeah, to pass them. So it's gotten to be, um, you know, tough. They were in a playoff spot. Like what? Not long. Two ago. weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. One more uh, nickname guess on the women's bracket. The 12-seeded Portland University Blanks against the Oklahoma Sooners. Portland. Portland, Maine or Portland, Oregon? This is a good question. Does that change it? Well, I mean, if it's the Northwesterners, it's not going to be Maine. Fair. (laughs) They are from Portland, Oregon. Okay. The Portland Blue Wave. (laughs) No. No? Not the blue wave. The Portland Pioneers. No. Oh, you've got, got to the go right Bob letter, Cats. though. Not Bobcats. You've got the right first letter. Port. Okay. Portland Penguins. Nope. Portland Pepperoni. Portland. <laughs> Portland Pepperonis. <laughs> Portland. Nope. Pri- it's, prize Fighters. It's, Portland... a, uh, it's an occupation. Preachers. Nope. Pirates? Pirates. Pirate being an occupation would be a funny trick. Although this person... No, never mind. I was going to say this person would do the same thing that a pirate does in one aspect, but not not really. Portland Poachers. Nope. Portland... Do you want their logo? Pilots. Yes, correct. I was going to give you their logo and still think you couldn't get there. Their logo is like an anchor and a ship wheel. Yeah, okay. But as a pilot, pilot doesn't captain a ship, right? A captain captains a ship. Shouldn't then should be, a, should be, should be the plane. pirates if it's a ship, if it's like a, a steering wheel I, to a ship. I think they have a wrong logo. I mean, does a, would you ever call the someone that drives a boat a pilot? Yeah, you pilot a ship. Really? Yeah, sure. Not captain a ship? I think it should be a plane. Portland, good luck. Yeah, maritime... Uh... Yeah, a maritime pilot. All right. I've just never heard that uh, referred to as. Couldn't a pilot and a captain be two different things? I don't even know. Listen, I don't listen, know either. Listen to us. All right, extra point shows on the way. Legal tampering, two hours away here on WGR. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.